Welcome, Lake Church. God is good, God is good isn't he? Hallelujah. Welcome to the uh, Wednesday night Bible study on Ephesians. Let me tell you something, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. So I want to welcome uh, you in, and I want to welcome the online people in. Uh, you're in for a blessing. Amen. When, some, when a pastor can, on a Bible study can go 45 minutes on one verse, that means it's good. That means it's real good. Now, that's the Bible study. So, awesome. So, uh, announcements. People, if you have the church app, all the announcements are on there. You can look that up. Uh, we have Omega Men's Breakfast, April the 15th at 9 a.m. at Lake Church. We, yeah, amen. I heard it was real good the last time. Be there if you can. So, uh, also, Greater Ladies Meeting, April the 20th. Amen. At 7 p.m. at Area 51. That's awesome. I heard it had a real big crowd here the last uh, ladies thing, so that's great. Also, PMI Missionary Training School in Uganda to North America, and that's mostly a Muslim thing there. We're receiving an offering up to, you know, June, uh, you know, till June. So, you know, be sure to give. Give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It's, it's more blessed more blessed to give than it is to receive. Amen. So uh, ways to give, you have an envelope uh, at the, on the back of your uh, seats there. You have uh, latechurch.com. You can give. You can also give to text to give right up there uh, on 84321. Also, you have the uh, church center app that you can go to. There's all kinds of ways to give. Amen. And you know, and we really need to do that. Uh, so, uh, if you don't mind standing up for just a minute, hallelujah, I'm going to pray the offering, and, you know, I believe this, the rest of this month and up to June, I think, I believe you're going to see some supernatural giving. Amen. Amen. God uses you. I believe you're going to see some bunch of stuff coming in, bunch of finances coming in, and when you give... You're going to see things change in your life. You're going to see things change in life. Amen? This, we all need to change. We all need to change. So, anyway, I'm going to pray over the offering. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you, Father, for uh, this offering tonight. We thank you, Lord, that uh, there's plenty to go around, that you're, that you're El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. And, Lord, we're going to see that more than enough this year. We're going to see that more than enough in our offerings And, Father God, we just thank you, and we bless the offering, and we thank you for our pastor tonight as he comes up here a little bit to minister, to teach the Word of God to us, for us, that the Holy Spirit moves and opens our eyes and opens our ears so we are ready to receive from the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good evening, Lake Church. Hallelujah. The Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. Do you believe that? Well, this is a very special day. This is Passover. And uh, so we, we're, we're going to celebrate the fulfillment of that because Jesus fulfilled the Passover feast by being our Passover lamb. Amen? And when he, before his passion, um, was with his disciples in the upper room, 
it says that he instituted what was known as the Last Supper. But really, it was the fulfillment of the Passover. And uh, we're going to celebrate that here just right now. Amen? So if you need a cup with a, you know, Jerry's got them. He'll throw them clear across. He can, <laughs> don't, don't want to be, lose the sacredness of it. But uh, understand that uh, we're celebrating tonight. Amen. <clears throat> Praise God. I'm grateful for the sacrifice of Jesus. How about you? I'm grateful for his blood that was spilt for me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Jesus, as the Apostle Paul said, is our Passover lamb. And you can find in the 11th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians, it says the same night that Jesus was betrayed, that he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he said, take and eat, for this is my body, which is broken for you. And so when we look at this, although this is certainly a type, a symbol of that, of the bread that he used in that time, but what we need to envision is just like the lamb in Exodus 12 that was roasted in fire, whole, And that the Israelites, they would take the blood of that lamb and they would put the blood over the lintel and and, uh, and the, the post of the door so that the death angel would pass over. But while they were inside the house and the safety of the house, they were partaking of the lamb. They were consuming the lamb's body. And Jesus said very clearly in the 8th chapter, 6th chapter of the Gospel of John. He said, if you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no life in you. So he's not talking about cannibalism here. He's talking about taking in the word because he was the word made flesh. And so when we see this, we need to see the word. And whatever word... You're believing for today, you consume it, just like they consumed that lamb. Now, Jewish historians will tell you that as they partook of that lamb, they would partake of parts in which they needed physical healing. So they would partake of that and receive it, and that's exactly what happened. Jesus' broken body was given so that yours could be mended so that yours could be healed, so that you could be delivered from sickness and disease. The Bible says in the Psalms that when they went out from that first Passover, there was not one feeble person among their tribes. So there was a transference that happened by appropriating. There's nothing in this wafer. There's nothing in this wafer. It's your faith And what Jesus has done and the action of your faith and the belief that when you partake of this, you are partaking of healing and restoration for your body tonight. Amen. And so we're going to partake of that. 
We're going to bless it. We thank you for the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that Jesus was, uh, had stripes put upon his back for our physical healing. The Bible says he bore our sickness and he carried our pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes or with his bruise or with his wounds, we are healed. That is an established fact. Amen? 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. The past tense of God's word. So we have it in the, in the present tense, and we've got it in the past tense. Amen? And so we partake and bless and we break just as Jesus was broken. And we partake of that body right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for life and health. Thank you for your healing covenant, Lord. Thank you. We just see the power of God going forth right now. By faith into the weakened parts of our bodies, Father. We thank you, Father God. And we receive healing and sustenance right now in the name of Jesus. I speak to hearts and kidneys. I speak to blood pressure. I speak to pancreases. I speak to all types of weaknesses that are in the joints and inflammation in the body. I speak to it now. It cannot abide. It cannot stay. We have partaken of the table of the Lord. You must leave, you must go, you have no right, you have no place. We are covenant people. We are the body of Christ. Therefore, as he is, so are we in this world. Amen? Do you believe that? Hallelujah. Oh, I'm grateful for the blood. You know, the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 12, it says, They overcame him, talking about the adversary, talking about the enemy. With the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. I'm telling you, that's the way that you're going to live an overcoming life, is by understanding the blood and the word of your testimony about the blood. That's what he's saying. You've got to have a testimony and a confession based upon the blood. Amen? And I'm thankful that this blood has cleansed and washed me from all sin. Amen? I am free of guilt and shame and condemnation. Oh, we could say that about ten more times and it just make you happy. I am free by this blood, by the guilt from guilt, from shame and condemnation. I can stand before the Lord Almighty face to face Because of this blood. And be free of all guilt, shame, and condemnation. Amen? Glory to God. Think about that. Think about that. The Bible says that the blood cleanses and washes us from all sin. That the blood justifies us. 
justification comes by this blood. That means just as if I had never sinned. Amen? Jesus' blood is so powerful it doesn't cover sin. It doesn't hide sin. It dissolves it and destroys it. Causes it not to remain. Amen? And praise God, I'm grateful on that same night after he partook of that bread. At the end of the meal, it says that he took the cup and he lifted it up and he said, This is the cup of the New Testament in my blood. Do this as often as you remember me. And he made a promise. He made a promise to them. He said, I will not partake of this meal until we're all together in my kingdom. Amen. And you know what that was? That was a marriage proposal is what it was. He was talking to what was then 11 of the bride of Christ. And he was letting the bride know that I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And I'm going to receive you to myself and we're going to go. And when we do it, we're going to have the marriage supper of the lamb. And we're going to partake of this meal once again in the fulfillment of my kingdom. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? We got something to look forward to, don't we? How many are grateful to be cleansed from sin? How many are grateful that the blood still works? How many are grateful for 1 John 1, 9? Amen. I almost wore that thing out of my Bible. But praise the Lord. It still works. He still cleanses and washes us from all sin. Amen. Let's partake right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your blood. The blood silences the adversary. I sense this by the Spirit of the Lord, that there's accusation from the enemy that's speaking in people's lives and continuing to tell them that they will never amount to anything, that they'll never achieve anything. There's harassment going on this week where people have maybe failed and the enemy is continuing to throw accusation towards them to where they do not feel confident in their relationship with the Lord. But I'm here to tell you, my friends, it's not based upon your performance or your works. It is based upon the work of Jesus Christ. And when we establish that, and we make that a a core revelation, then the enemy has nowhere to go. Amen? He's persuading people that they shouldn't be healed because of what they did last night. He's trying to persuade people that they can't have what God said they have because of what they did last month. And he's trying to keep people from reaching the abundance and the fullness of what Jesus did on things they did 10 years ago. And he continues to throw 
The word devil, diabolos, he continues to throw and hurl accusation and lie and slander. Just like Goliath did in the Valley of Elah. How many remember that? Goliath walked in the Valley of Elah in a, 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 a valley that was between the Israelites, you know, and God's enemies. And he began to threaten them. And he began to heap all this fear on them. And that's what the enemy is doing. He's hurling at you saying, y'all, you don't deserve to be well. You don't deserve. You didn't do this. You're not doing enough. You're not praying enough. You're not reading your Bible enough. You don't go to church enough. Come on now. He tries to get you in that where you're, you know, checking your metrics instead of understanding that we rest. That doesn't mean we don't go to church. Doesn't mean we don't read our Bible. Doesn't mean we don't pray. But we rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? And it takes labor to rest. You know, the Bible tells us that we labor to rest. It doesn't just happen. We've got to renew our mind. What's the labor? Renewing your mind. Renewing your mind to the Word of God. Getting in the right mindset to where when the enemy comes, you can say, Oh, no, 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 no. You know, we're not playing that game here. You're not going to get me jumping through hoops and doing the dance. I'm not going to do it. I rest. I rest in the finished work of the cross. I rest in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You need to wake up every morning as you're taking a shower, and you need to say what I say. I'm the healthiest. Now, you use your age. I'll use mine, all right? I'm the healthiest 55-year-old man on planet Earth because of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not healthy because I run. I'm not healthy because I go to the gym. I'm not healthy that I even eat right or drink right. I'm healthy because of the work of Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, I'm not saying you need to fill up on Twinkies and do stuff like that. What I'm saying is, is that your faith, even if you're taking medicine, should always be directed towards the work of the cross. Amen? Amen? When you take that medicine, I thank you that the work of the cross has healed and restored my body and that no harmful things will happen when I partake of this medicine. Come on now. Praise God. I tell you what, he's got us covered. Amen? Hallelujah. Are we ready? All right. Let's go to Ephesians. And we're going to be there for a while. Okay. I'm going to read the previous verses that we've had here and then... It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father uh, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on and says this very powerful verse. And basically when we enter into the third verse through the 14th verse, this has no punctuation in it. In fact, it's one long sentence for, I guess it would be 11 verses that are just one long sentence. Now, Bob Yandian says this in his book. He says, though we look at each verse, and we are going to look at each verse separately, verses 3 through 14 are all one sentence in the Greek. Now, this is important for you to get a hold of this. 
And I may belabor the point here tonight to get across the main revelation that you need to get from these verses. He says this, there is no pause in the Greek language. So to put a period or to put a comma or to put a semicolon is not necessary. And this is the reason. This is all one thought in the mind of God. This is all one thought. Take that in. Receive that. This is all one thought in the mind of God. And it is the seed that is planted in each and every believer's heart that comes to fruition as we water it and renew our mind to it. This is what we call positional truth. He's fixing to unveil to us something that God orchestrated, administrated, and planned before the foundation of the world. Now, why is that important? Have you ever attended uh, a wedding or attended a function and you could tell that it was properly orchestrated, administrated, and had great details? Did that enhance your enjoyment of that event? Absolutely it did. You go to, now I'm not a big Disneyland person or Disney World person, but you go there, it is organized, administrated, and clean, and proper, and everything runs right. And it enhances your enjoyment. I've been to some weddings where, my goodness gracious, if anybody had a thought about it, I wouldn't have known it. (laughs) Hello. People build houses. Some people build houses without plans, without blueprints. They just measure it out and begin to do it. Well, is that going to be a house that's going to stand the test of time? Absolutely not. What God is trying to get a hold of us here in these verses is he wants you to understand and know that he has already planned and administrated and set in motion your life before you were even on planet earth. Now, if you knew that, if you fully had a revelation of that, a lot of your prayer life would change. Amen? You see, most of us are praying with the motivation that God give me a plan. Hello? And we think that if we pray enough, read our Bible enough, come to church enough, that God will open doors for us. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that the doors are already open. And that it is through the word of God, through church, and through prayer, that reveal what you already have. 
See, you're not trying to get God to move. He has already moved. And that's what these scriptures teach. He's already initiated. Because this word blessed here, at the first of this, is, is we get the word eulogy from. Now, how many know what a eulogy is? Have you went to a funeral lately and heard a eulogy? Well, most eulogies, or any good eulogy, is going to give good words about the person that has went on. And is also going to praise them for their accomplishments. Well, this word uh, for eulogy, or we will get eulogy here, is used only in regards to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. For he is the only one worthy of our praise. And notice it says, blessed be the God. So we need to understand that God, we are blessed because he blessed us. We bless him with our praise because he has blessed us. God is always the initiator. He is always the one that starts the process. You didn't find God. He wasn't lost. He initiated. And it's, you know, one of the things that my pastor, my father in the faith would talk about was the circle of prayer. How many remember that, uh, you know, that you knew David? And many of us have this mistaken notion that prayer starts with us. That is a major misnomer. Prayer never starts with you. Prayer starts with God and swoops down into your heart and you begin to pray it back to God. Because God is looking for a human partner that will release his words into the world so that it will create what God wants to create. Amen? And so he begins to put that person in your, in your heart. You begin to think about a situation or a person And it swoops down into your heart. And as you begin to pray that forth to the high priest, Jesus Christ, praise God, he's able to release his will and desire in the earth. Amen? And so when we look at this word for eulogy, it means to speak well of, to celebrate, or to praise. And it's only used in reference to the Father. He's the one we need to be celebrating. He's the one that we need. And that's the reason why the Apostle Paul said, Blessed be God. Praise God. Exalt God. Worship God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And then he goes on and he says, Be the God and Father of our Lord. And that's a very important word. That's the the, uh, Greek word kurios in the Greek. And it means this. Lord, Master, Absolute ownership and exercising full rights over. So when we, when we say the Lord Jesus Christ, we're saying he's my master. He's my owner. He has full authority over my life. Now you might be sitting there and saying that's a pretty big pill to swallow. 
Yes, it is. But it's the only way to life. If you're going, you know, listen, freedom comes. This is a paradox. It's a spiritual paradox. Freedom comes to what you are bound to. Freedom comes from what you're bound to. Okay? So to experience true freedom, it depends on what I'm bound to. If I'm bound to my flesh, I'm not going to experience freedom. If I'm bound to sin, I'm not going to experience freedom. But if I bind myself to the Lord as my owner, as my master, as the one who has full rights over my life, then I experience freedom. Amen? Lordship brings freedom to the human race. When we submit ourselves to the right Lord, to the Lord who created us, then we can become who we were created to be. And it's only through our submission to his lordship that we begin to see the things that God has put within us. You cannot experience the fullness of the gospel message if you're not submitted to the lordship of Christ. There are many people that want the benefits of salvation, but do not want the lordship relationship in their life. It will never and never, never bring what you desire, ever. Listen, he becomes your savior after he becomes your Lord. Amen? You've got to make him Lord, and then he becomes your Savior. And so he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, If you will believe in your heart, amen, that if you'll confess Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen? So it's the Lordship that brings salvation. We're pledging allegiance. We're turning our back on the adversary that held us bound. The the false Lord that lorded over our lives. And praise God, we're pledging our allegiance to the Lord that brings life and health and sustenance to our lives. Amen? Amen? Amen. Praise God. Notice it says, and I want you to understand the tenses in these scriptures. It says, who has blessed. Notice that. Has blessed us. So that's very important. And we have to go over this over and over and over again. Because many people put the blessings of God in the future. They ain't even got them in the present. Well, one day Lord's going to deliver me. No, that's not what the scripture teaches. The scripture teaches that this is an already accomplished work. Whether you're in the jail or whether you're in the hospital room or whether you're in a penthouse or whether you're on vacation living the best life. This, this is true. This is absolute truth and it's already done. It's a done deal as far as God is concerned. Remember, this is a thought in the mind of God. And it is the crux of the Pauline revelation. 
It is the gospel message to every believer that God has so carefully orchestrated his salvation for your life that it has already been done regardless of anything that you ever will do or have done. It's done, sealed, forever settled in heaven. Amen? This is important to understand. You know, when we look at the book of Genesis and we see the creation hymn, we see the creation week, we begin to realize that God put everything in place and then he put the man in it. Did you know that God is not creating any more cows? He's not bringing any more water. He has created systems by his divine power and wisdom that operate seed time and harvest being one of them. To where when Adam and Eve were hungry, he didn't say, man, I got to make another cow or I got to, you know. No, they, the system is already in place. You've got to understand that God, when it comes to your personal life, has systems already, oh, you're not hearing me, has systems already made for you to access to do the will of God for your life. Amen? He's not making any more birds. He's not making any more stuff. He has released it into the systems that he created. You see it in the physical How much more in the spiritual? Amen? You know, we limit our lives by not understanding this. We limit what we can do. We limit our possibilities and we limit our opportunities because we do not or we're not convinced. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Who has blessed us. Who past tense has blessed us in the heavenly places or with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Amen. We need to believe and embrace this. Amen. Well, if I could get the Lord to bless me. Hello. See, see the religious thinking is, you know, I got to do something for God to bless me. No, God has already blessed you. See, the goal of the New Testament, new creation life is the unveiling of what God has already done. The whole reason why we come to church and we open the word of God and we study the word of God is so that you can see what has already been done for you. It's not to come here to convince God, I'm changing my ways. I'm, I'm showing up to church, so therefore, you know, things better turn around for me. Come on, I know, I, knew, I know people like that. I had one guy that I was trying to disciple. He was a knothead. I gave him a Bible, you know, to read. He put it on the dash of his car, and it had been there a while because the sun had just bleached the fire out of it. And he says, I'm not going to move that Bible, he said, because my car runs good. Because You'd be surprised at what people think. 
How about the husband that wants to save his marriage, but yet decides to finally come with wife to church? And what's why his marriage don't get better just because he shows up to church? Come on now. It's stupidity on ice. It doesn't work that way, friends. It doesn't work that way. That's where, where lordship comes in. See, the reason why you're in the mess you're in is you're following the wrong Lord. And usually it's you. Amen? But when you submit to the Lordship of Christ, when you submit to what God has for you, you can understand this verse that he's already blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now this word blessed here is a variation of the word blessed at the first of the scripture. But it's different in the sense that it speaks to confer benefits. Speaks to confer benefits. Did you get that? The blessing that he has given us is he confers benefits. And the reason why we see this word for eulogy in both of them, a variation, because eulogy has the word logos in it. And the word logos is just simply word or written word. How does God bless his people? Electricity shooting through their bodies? He blesses them with words. How do you bless somebody? With words. Words bless more than anything, and even words that are not spoken, but are housed in actions towards one another, that blesses. Amen? So how does God heal us? Through words. How does God deliver us? Through words. How does God prosper us? Through words. Amen? How many want to see a move of God? Here you go. I just showed you a move of God. This is a move of God. You want to know why? Because he has deposited in me the Holy Spirit. Amen? Hello? We're not waiting on God. God's waiting on us. He's waiting on us to get a hold of this. We're limiting our finances, we're limiting our relationships, we're limiting our health, we're limiting our ministries, because we don't believe this. We don't believe this. He blessed us. He has conferred benefits upon us. Reminds me of Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not what? All of his benefits. He has a benefit package for you and he begins to declare it. He says, who forgives all of your iniquities. And who heals all of your diseases. That meant that bread we partook of. Those are the benefits. He has set a table before us. In the presence of our enemies. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness gracious. Spirit of the Lord is here. Amen. 
He's conferring a blessing on you by speaking over you these words. That you're blessed and you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He has conferred benefit. He speaks well and good over you. The enemy wants you to think that God is upset with you, that he is mad at you, and he's rolling his eyes every time you come to him in prayer. And he's saying, oh my gosh, it's that Kevin again. What kind of mess did he get into? That is not the God of the Bible. That is not the God that Jesus came to reveal. He speaks good over you. He blesses and confers blessing over you. He knows your frame. He knows that you are just a dust bucket with a spirit on the inside. He knows your flesh. He knows your carnal mind. He knows everything about you. But yet he confers blessing on you with his words. And every time you open that book, he is conferring a blessing. Every time you absorb that book, every time you partake of the bread from heaven, he is bringing his blessing upon your life, speaking over you and singing over you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, God's mad at me. No, no. No. Hello. No, he speaks a blessing over you. That's what the scripture says. Now, the enemy will mimic the voice of God. But this is not what the scripture teaches us. Does God correct us and deal with us? Of course he does. But it's always by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And it's not condemnation. It's conviction. It just convinces us, hey, I'm better than that. I can do, you know, I've got the Spirit of God on the inside of me. Look who I am. Look who he's made me to be. I don't need to be holding offense and unforgiveness. You know, he convinces you, son, you're, what, you're, you're my boy. Stop, act, act like me. Imitate me. Amen? Are you with me? Okay, all right. Now, he says right here, he says, who has blessed us in Christ. And you need to underline those phrases, in Christ, because you're going to see it a lot throughout this book. And that is how he has blessed us. He has blessed us not based upon our own righteousness, our own behavior. He has blessed us. In Christ. So that means this. That it is not necessarily dependent on me. Because I don't have my own righteousness. My righteousness is found in him. And you remember uh, Isaiah talked about this. uh, In Isaiah I believe 54. It says no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against you, you shall condemn. For this is the heritage of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, saith God. So it's his righteousness. It's not mine. Jesus took my place. Did he take yours? 
He took my place. He took my curse and my sin and my sickness, and he took upon himself the wrath of Almighty God on my behalf. So he took the punishment for my sin. He became my sin. He was punished for my sin. He was buried in the depths of the earth and paid the price for my sin. But then on the third day, God declared him righteous and raised him from the dead without my sin, without my sickness, without my... And guess what? I was so identified with him that he, when he was raised up, I was raised up with him. And I wasn't just raised, I was seated with him at the highest place. At the right hand of God the Father. I am one with him. Amen? In Christ. And that's in Christ's reality. In Christ with every. I, I want you to look at that word every. Every. The, the word every is the Greek word pass. P-A-S. And it means the whole, sum, and total. Every kind and in every way. Amen? He's blessed you with every pass, full sum, full total, nothing holding back, everything you would ever need, spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Amen? Praise the Lord. So we need to understand and take away from this verse that God has initiated this. We did not initiate this. Let that sink in. You did not initiate this. God initiated this. So when someone initiates something in your life or gives you something, you don't need to argue about it. You don't need to reject it and say, I'll get it my way. You just need to say, thank you. I, I take a hold of it. This is done. But a lot of people resist it. Because it takes humility to receive this blessing. You got to have a different mindset. Amen? Okay. So let's go on to the next verse. Let me come up here. And... Hallelujah. It says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. The word choose there is the word eklego in the Greek, and it means to select. It says, I pick out for myself. That's what it means. I pick out for myself. So, you know, some of you that did not get picked when you played dodgeball in school... You were the last one, and everybody moaned and groaned when you got picked. God picked you. He personally picked you. He personally selected you. Praise God. He elected you 
And it's by a highly deliberate choice with a definite outcome. Amen. Amen. And then he goes on. He chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation, which is Capbalo. We talked about this last week. And it's a laying down, a depositing, a sowing, a conception, exactly according to, down to the most general and the most specific detail. He chose you and he put the found before the foundation of the world. That means before the blueprint was even made, you were in the blueprints. I'm talking about a big God. I'm talking about a God that has planned everyone and has given away for everyone. You are, as one translation says, it says that you, he chose or called us to be a word before the fall of the world. So he basically wanted to express himself through words. That's how he blesses us. And guess what? He blesses humanity by making you a word. Oh, as an expression of who he is, his character, his identity, who he is, his disposition. Your life is a word from God. Jesus was the word made flesh. You and I are a word, a word. We're not the word, but we're a word made flesh. And your life exhibits something. If you find it, if you choose to find your life in Christ Jesus, you will find that you are an expression of his character and his disposition towards humanity. And that whether you have proclivities to be merciful or gracious or have proclivities to lead, to direct, you know, you are expressing a God-given substance that was put within you before you even were conceived in the womb. Amen? It's important to get a hold of this. Notice... That he says that we should be holy. That means we'd be sacred, set apart, and like the Lord. Amen? Amen. How many realize we need to be like the Lord? And I love this word blameless. In the Greek it means unblemished. Mm. There's a lot of people walking around as if they're blemished. Maybe something happened in our life that's caused you to think of yourself as blemished, ruined, broke. He says, no, you'll be holy, set apart, sacred, sanctified. Amen? Free of guilt, shame, and condemnation. And blameless, which meant that you're absolutely unblemished. Without spot, without blot, morally, spiritually blameless. Oh, I don't know. I don't know that they're listening, Lord. I don't know that they're hearing this. This is the gospel message. 
If you sit across from my desk and you hear time after time people complaining about condemnation and guilt and past sins and complaining about their life and wondering if God loves them and wondering if God has a plan for them, this should eradicate all of that mess and junk from the enemy if you get into the scripture and you begin to see what he's saying. Hello. It would be hard for some Christians to look in the mirror and say, I am holy and I am blameless. But I'm here to tell you this scripture gives you the ability not to judge on the outside, but to judge on what God's done on the inside. And I know on the inside of me, I am holy and blameless. I am not blemished. I am free of blots. Come on now. I am free of spots. Now you look in the physical mirror, you're just going to see flaw. You're going to see your weaknesses. You're going to see every mole and wart and everything. But if you look in this mirror, if you look in the mirror of the Word, you'll begin to see this. Because this is the image That Jesus wants you to have. That you have been chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. That you should be holy and without blemish, blameless before Him. Oh, I'm here to tell you, friends. I am here to tell you that when it talks about before, it is a a powerful Greek word. That means in the eyes of. Oh, people may look at you and think, oh, well, you know, she's nothing. You know, she. They may think light of you. But when we when we stand holy and blameless before him in his eyes. That's all. That's the only eyesight you need. That's the only glance you need. But it also says, in someone's direct, concentrated gaze. That's what that word means in the Greek. Well, whose gaze are we being seen by? The only being who matters. I don't think you got that. I think maybe over here there's a... In the only person that matters... In his gaze, you are holy and you are blameless. And you are without blemish. And the only person that matters, not your ex-friends, not your ex-husband, not your ex-wife, not your own kids, not the government, not Joe Biden. Not anybody else. Come on now. But in the only eyes that matter. I'm going to say that again. In the only eyes that matter. You're doctoring yourself up to look good for your job, for everywhere. But in the eyes that matter. In the eyes that matter. In the eyes that matter. He is fixed on you. His gaze is on you, Greg. He's looking at you. 
and he sees you in his son, blameless and holy and righteous. Are you awake out there? My goodness gracious, that'll make you run around. Amen? That'll make you run around. Hallelujah. It means to be in the full presence of him. Now, most people say, well, if I could just get in the presence of God. The presence of God lives on the inside of you. Guys, it's all about awareness. It's all about revelation. It's all about an understanding of what Jesus Christ has done. He's not just here to help you get through your day. Hello. Well, I feel better when I go to church. Where are you? What in the world? God lives on the inside of you. You're not living here. Hello. You've got to understand that, you know, most people treat their spiritual life as if it's God's summer home. And he just comes and visits. I need a visitation. No, what he's teaching here is habitation. He's teaching God dwells in you 24-7, 365 days a year. He doesn't visit you on special times and seasons. We're going to have a revival. God will visit us. Oh, I just want to throat punch you. That is not New Testament talking. That's Old Testament talking. God visited man in the Old Testament. But God lives in man in the New Testament. Amen? Jesus was called Emmanuel. God with us. But the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost caused God to be in us. Amen? Amen? I got to get further than I did last week, all right? Okay, so bear with me. Give me five more minutes, all right? God has called you before the foundation of the world. That means that everything you're ever called to do and written in his books... He has already put his full backing and authority behind it. That means it's already yes. See, we're not to become who we want to be. We're to become who he's called us to be. See, he called us. He called us. It shows us before the foundation of the world. We're an expression of him. Each human being that comes into the earth comes with a word from God to this generation, to this lost and dying world. But many, deceived by the devil, blinded by the devil, follow other plans, other purposes, other pursuits. And they never find out what they were truly born to do. But when we get born again, just like I said last week, David said in the Psalms, he says, You have lit my candle. That meant that stuff that he couldn't see before, he's now seeing. God's revealing by the Spirit of God all of the wonderful substance and gifts and words that God has put within him. 
And the goal is to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. To take what God has put within us and to release it into the earth. That's what you were born for. That's why you're here, is to do these things. Amen? Now, he says this right here, in love, in love, in love. Let's, let's look over at the other scripture here. Are you getting bored? Okay. In love, he predestined us. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Now notice this. This word in here in the Greek, it means in the realm or sphere of. It can mean within, on, at, by, or with. So he's saying that the totality of his love has immersed us. It is within us, upon us, at us. Come on now. You are surrounded in this sphere, in the realm or sphere of his love. And that's the word agape in the Greek. Now, the Greeks had four uh, words for love. Now, we have only one in English. So we don't understand what kind of love that God has for us. Because they had four types of love. Now, don't ask me to remember all of them, but there's filio, and that is brotherly love. There's storge, which is kind of a familiar love, a family love. There's eros, which is sexual love. And so, you you know, depending on what you use, you wouldn't necessarily use eros like I love chocolate. You wouldn't use it in that like we do today. But then you have the word agape in the Greek. And this was a word that was only used by poets in the Greek because it was so high in its meaning and standard of love that it was below human depravity. It couldn't even be used. In fact, human beings, poets wouldn't even use it in regards to human-to-human relationships. Okay? Agape is a love that is so superior to the other types of love that we've talked about because it is a love that is not based on feelings and emotions. It can't be manipulated. It can't be uh, twisted and perverted because it is the love of choice. It is I choose to love you. It's not a feeling. It's not anything that I emotionally can put into, you know, motion. I choose to love you. It is the love that says I choose to love you, flaws and all. I choose to love you no matter what you say. No matter, come on, get a hold of this. No matter what you do, 
no matter how you behave towards me, you can shun me, you can lie to me, you can turn your back on me, I choose to love. Now, many, many people understand that love with their children at times. Eh? Come on. But God's love is so much higher than that. And that's what he says, in love. He predestined us in this agape love. And so he's going back to choice, choice, choice. See, what the Apostle Paul wants you to get in your mind and through your thick skull is that God loves you because he just loves you. Hello. He is love. He loves you because he's love. He doesn't need you to do a dance or try to dress a certain way or do a certain thing. He loves you irregardless of your nasty self. You're his creation. He brought you into the world. If he didn't love you, he wouldn't have made you. Boy, so many believers wrestle with love. They wrestle with the love of God. They wrestle with this fact. But, you know, and, and, and the devil manipulates us in times thinking that when we're, when we're dotting every I and crossing every T that God's love is, is just towards us, his face is towards us, and, and we're truly blessed because we're doing everything that we, we can do. And then there's days when we're not doing, we're not batting a thousand. We're like, you know, 0.55. And it's bad. And we don't feel good about ourselves. And we flipped off someone on the way to work. Hello. And we cussed somebody on the customer service representative of a TV that we needed fixed. And we, we did that. And we think that God somehow emotionally detaches himself from us. That's not what this says. That's not what this says at all. He chose to love you. And you know what? That's, that's what marriages need to operate on. They need to operate on agape love. You can't operate on those other types of love. You're not going to make it. Eros love, man. You get older, that kind of... Kind of changes. <laughs> Have more thoughts than deeds. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> and if your if your if your relationships based upon that, I've had people sit across from me want to get married. It's because they were dabbling in premarital sex and they just thought it was the best thing, you know. And I said, well, it'll change. Hello. I used to have a running joke. It says, you know, after your wife says, I do, she says, I don't. <laughs> That's rough. That's rough, I know. But, but anyway, <laughs> some of you know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh. <laughs> if you base it upon sex, sex changes. You've got to make a choice. Agape is the love of will. 
I will love you. Hello. I will love you. No matter what you do. You can throw mud at me. You can do, I will love you. I choose to love you. And how many times have we thumbed our nose up at God? How many times have we shook our fist at God? How many times have we accused God of doing things that he was never a part of? And he still, I will love you. And in my love, I predestined you to be adopted as a son of the Most High God. And there's nothing you're going to do to change it. Now, he could have taken the word adoption out. I've got to close, but... He could have took the word adoption out. He could have just said predestined us for himself as sons. But the word adoption is vital and important to understand because it's a legal word. This is, this is a slow part of that. Adoption is a legal word. It's a legal word. That means in the great court room of God, the authority of all authorities, the creator of the heavens and the earth, has legally, through Christ Jesus, has put his seal and stamp on you, And has declared you a son of the Most High God. And there's nothing the devil can ever do about it. There's nothing that sin can ever do about it. There's nothing that guilt and shame can ever do about it. Condemnation withers when you understand that I am legally... By accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord, I received and have been born of Almighty God. I am a son of God, legally. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, that's good news. That's good news. See, the devil is known as the accuser of the brethren. You look at you look up his names. It's not his names. They're 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 just uh, adjectives that describe what he does. But you look up the names for adversary and accuser. It means prosecuting attorney. Okay. So what happens when we fail as believers or sin? That prosecuting attorney rises up and he says, they did this and they did that. They're, they're, they can't be your son because they don't act like you. They're not acting like you. They're fi- they must not be a part of your family. 
I mean, what are they off doing that stuff? You, you said they were your son. You said they were your daughter. They're off doing stuff that I like to do, that I want them to do. And they begins to accuse and accuse and accuse. Guess what? God looks no further than to his right hand. God looks no further than to his right hand. And he sees his son in him, in Christ. Notice it's as sons through. There's a great, great Greek word there. I don't have time to get in. Through Jesus Christ or by means of Jesus Christ. He says, you know what? I don't see Dana through the eyes of the adversary. I don't see, you see, Jesse through the eyes of the accuser. I see through the lens of Jesus Christ. And in love... I predestined them, pre-designed, pre-administrated them that they are before the foundation of the world, mind you. Not, not, not just yesterday. Before the foundation of the world. I have put my signet ring and I have sealed them as a son of God. Amen. When we sin, we do not lose our position of sonship. We sever relationship in a way. Just like if I were to sin against Kevin, it would put something in between us. Do you see what I'm saying? It's the same way with God. But here's the good news. Amen? If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? I'm telling you, this is good stuff. And the adversary can't go anywhere. Because of the legal means by which Jesus took our place. Amen? See, God had to become flesh. He couldn't redeem us as God by an act of God. He had to become like us because he had given flesh authority in the earth. So he became a man. He was 100% God, 100% man. But he operated as a man. The Bible says in the second chapter of the book of Philippians that he stripped himself of all of his God-like attributes and became a servant, became a man. When he did this, the devil didn't know he was going to do it because the devil would have called him unjust if God would have acted unilaterally in our redemption. Jesus had to become flesh so that he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who were subject to the bondage of fear all their lifetime. Amen? This was done legally. 
When I say I'm the healthiest 55-year-old man because of the death, burial, and resurrection, what am I pointing to? I'm pointing to the legal adoption process that came into my life through my identification with Christ. And that when God doesn't see me through the accuser, He doesn't see me through the adversary, He sees me through His Son. Oh, I've run out of time. Amen. Come on now. Can we celebrate? Can we lift our hands and celebrate? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's according to His will, not yours. It's according to His will, not yours. You didn't think this up. He thought it up. He thought it up before the foundation of the world. He's already taken care of it. What you're going through now, He already has a plan to get you out of it. What you're, what you're experiencing right now, it's already, provision is already there. He's already placed everything that you need. Amen. Hallelujah. And you don't have to worry about your right standing. Because it's Jesus who you stand in. Amen? It's Jesus who you stand in. You are one spirit with Him. You are joined with Him. When God looks at you, He sees His Son. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you haven't received this wonderful gift, or maybe you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and need to be filled with His power, or you need deliverance or healing in your life, we're going to have some ministers that are going to be up here at the close of service. You come up. Don't go out the same way you came in. Amen? Amen? And I'm looking forward, praise God, to this resurrection service this weekend it's not only our our, our resurrection but it's also our 16th anniversary hallelujah so we're entering into our sweet 16 so we've got some good things planned invite people to church people will come to church on easter they'll come so invite somebody let's fill this place up we'll have plenty of room amen Hallelujah. God is good. And he does good. Amen. God is pronouncing blessings over you right now. He is speaking life. Now you sit through this message. He was speaking to you. Amen. Take a hold of it. Take it home. Take it to the school. Take it to the workplace. Take these blessings. And destroy.